just a good old boy, never meaning no harm. Beats all you never saw, been in trouble with the law since the day they was born. Good old boys. I'm Mark. Bog Beef. Fredo. It's popping, fellas. Man, it feels it, we we only missed a day, but it feels like we've been gone forever. Well, you still it got does. it. Never lost it. Let's get that money. This is uh uh three nights. Uh, uh I don't I don't know if you guys want to hit the um the trucker story hard, but uh, I feel like man, we've been squeezing that one the past two days. Uh, there must be some other things going on. <laughs> Although this, I mean that that story is massive. But you know, before we get to that, uh, so this Bon Jovi that was a uh. It's afraid of pick, eh? It was. And, uh, you know, last week we kind of threw everybody for a loop because you do the, you did 38 special and everyone thought that was me. So I had to like go extra like uh, stereotypical on this one. So people would know right off the bat. Uh, I got something. So, uh, so I want to talk, uh, you know, the latest model of like conservatives and populism. One of the things that's, that's big is like these rules, right? This started with, um, what's his name? Who's the, uh, the Lebanese guy that went crazy after Taleb. Taleb. Yeah. 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 So, uh, <laughs> the nation, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, he's kind of like, he, I don't know. He was, but he's been replaced with someone else. Uh, but anyways, <clears throat> there's a thing, um, pro-social norms or uh that i forget but he had another name for uh uh, uh what's Mulbug calls them pro-social norms he calls them something else uh basically rules of thumb but like rules like uh quick and easy rules that are important and like uh it's not we don't know why it's it's important but you should just follow them and um bon jovi kind of skirts one of the rules but they they still stick with one of the rules uh one of the big rules in music is that um, if the name of your band is the name of the lead singer, it can't be his real name. This hmm. is uh, this is an important rule. You will you will notice that any band where the the, the lead singer's name is the name of the band and uh, uh, it, it's his real name, the band sucks because it's not really a band. It's just kind of like a, a uh, uh, you know it's it's like the the last you you know you're you're clipping off a uh, uh, solo project bullshit. Like, yeah, I, like how Tom Petty added in the Heartbreakers. Yeah. Right. Was well, Tom- I was going to say, I was thinking of like Ozzy Osbourne, but I guess that fits your your sort of idea there because that was all post-Black Sabbath. Yeah. Check out, I mean, you, you can go down the the, the the rules and stuff. So like uh, Marilyn Manson, not his real name. You know, like uh, all these bands like that. So uh, that's an important rule out there so you can the lead singer could be the name of the band but uh it can't be his real name i don't know it's just the uh, well, uh th- i mean you know his his i mean it's pr- his real last name is pronounced bon jovi but it's not like it's not spelled like that that's a stage name in terms of how it's spelled so i guess it depends on he's like kind of sticking with your rule maybe yeah, his, his. I mean, it looks like so. His name is John Francis, uh, and then uh, Bon Giovi. Uh, uh, I'm trying. It's, bon, to say, it's bon Jovi in Italian. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to say it different to say that it's not exactly like that. But yeah, you know what I'm saying. Um yes. So he's skirting the rules, but it's still. It's that's not. Uh, the name of the band is not his name. Yeah, but it's pretty damn close. But yeah, it's, it's, it's one of these old rules you forget about, but uh, it's a real rule. 
All right, before we <laughs> before we get started, he, here's something that our boy uh, Slurword. I won't say his name on that. He, he sent this. He sent me this. Canadian towing company to ignore Trudeau order to disrupt trucker protests. Now, uh, they have a, a guy called he's like Alliance Towing. I'm not. I don't know. You know how big of a company this is, but the guy said, "Yeah, we're just we're just not gonna we're not gonna uh, be part of the conscripted labor." Uh, martial law order to tow away people's trucks. And as well as that, the, the new leader of the conservative party, uh, Candace, uh, Candace Bergen, right? She's got the same name as Murphy Brown. That's she, she also said they're going to, uh, in, I think it, next week, the emergency order comes up for a vote in parliament. The conservative says they're not going to support the emergency. They're, they're going to say they don't want to let it continue. Yeah. My, and my understand that, my understanding is that it's unlikely. Wait, um, maybe I'm. Were you talking about like the the main COVID emergency order? Or are you talking about getting through Parliament this emergency declaration thing that yes. he, put, he put out? The Prime Minister's allowed to declare emergency for a week, but yeah, the Parliament okay. has to has to uphold it. And uh, I, 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 not, the Conservative Party says they are voting against it. However, I think that at, at the moment between the NDP and the other parties that are going along with Trudeau, it, it, it could still pass anyway, but the what? conservative party had to grow, had to grow some balls and take a stand on this. Yeah. And then the, the interesting thing though, is my a Canada understander can feel free to correct me, but this sort of thing not only has to pass the house of commons, but it also has to pass the Senate is my yeah. understanding. Canada has a Senate. People kind of forget about it. And my, and my, again, my understanding is that the chances of passage in the Senate seem even lower than the, the house of commons, the Senate, as I understand it is real weird because the number of senators in each region was fit again, please correct me Canadians, but was fixed like a hundred years ago or something like that. So it's not really based on necessarily on where population is today. Yeah, it's, uh, this is there's an important like general uh, political concept going along with this that <clears throat> so now this is the difference between telling somebody not to do something and telling somebody to do something. Okay, these are these are entirely different phenomenon. So uh, I don't know if you know one of the, I've heard people say like the most best uh, uh, political action that people can take in modern times is uh, uh, what, what's the thing where you don't buy stuff. A boycott, a boycott, and uh, uh, there's some truth in the fact that, but like I participate in probably 99.99% of boycotts have been in the last like 20 years. Like, uh, if the libtard said, like, don't, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, don't, don't watch, uh, Mel, get, don't go to the theaters and paid money to see Mel Gibson movies. Uh, I probably, I probably did that. I, I wasn't trying to, but, uh, you know, they said like, don't watch Marvel movies because they're uh, because, or, you know, if the conservatives say you shouldn't watch Marvel movies because they're liberal. <laughs> well, I'm probably not going to watch those either. Uh, it's pretty easy. Uh, Mulbug has a thing about this, but basically like <clears throat> you should bet on anything that like takes less calories to do. You know what I mean? But, but now you're tr doing something else where you're telling somebody to do something and you have to, the best you got to think about this in your own terms. You have to think about like, it's one thing to tell somebody like you can't go to this protest. It's another thing to tell somebody like you need to go 
tow trucks like for somebody you hate like uh and remember like you know you can still call into work and do all kinds of shit like that it's really weird to try to force people to do things like because no this is like this is what the army does right we have gorgeous in the chat by the way i didn't even, i didn't even see that how are you doing man he's not in jail that's a good thing <laughs> to your yeah. to your point like yeah i mean what are you gonna do if they call out sick you know what i mean like realistically you just you're gonna show up at someone's house and say get in your truck i mean like i mean you can do that that's the military does stuff like that, right? Like I have a buddy once who didn't like the date that they was that they gave him for basic training, so he just stayed home. And a few days later, they just busted in his door, pulled him out of bed, and uh, threw him in the brig at the yes. at the nearby base. But outside the military, I mean, that's a pretty big departure if you're going to do that to, to somebody. And it's you know ripping them out of their bed and throwing them in the brig is one thing, but it's a different thing to like, I mean, he's got to want to tow those trucks. Cause like, even if you rip them out of bed and you throw them in the truck, he's got to drive it. He's got to like, I assume towing a big rig is like really hard to do. So, you know, he's like, what if he messes up? What are you going to do about that? You know what I mean? Just cause he doesn't give a shit. You know what I mean? It's not, this is like not an easy thing to do. Yeah. Well, what this means is this, this is all uh, pretty pathetic and sort of just uh, a bad way to, to, uh, to run a, uh, run a railroad. Uh, <clears throat> this is all just so pathetic. I mean, this is just using like, like, it's just like you're hitting the button and this is what, this is what they're, they're saying. Uh, I don't know if people saw it. So uh, Tankstar got out in front of this order like immediately. And he was like, this is like really stupid. This is like, uh, like you don't do this. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't do a, 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 a emergency order, uh, like this quick and, and so forth. And I don't know if you've seen in like in the United States, like the most left-wing politicians, like, uh, uh, the imaginable are all saying like, whoa, 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 you, you can't do that. Uh, did you, right now, Marco, uh, what Ted Cruz is like, doing a statement with uh who, who's the the muslim woman that's like a firebrand progressive omar Il uh, ilhan omar yeah they've joined hands like and they they hate each other they're like hey canada like you can't you can't do this bro <laughs> like you're running a real country like you can't just like like uh, like uh, uh call an emergency order because of this like that you sorry you can't do the freezing funds thing that's insane like what are you doing as as I, as I said when we talked about this with Malcolm the other day, uh, it, it it seems to me like it was a strategy where you you were doing anything you could to stop the block the border blockades. Like the people in Ottawa are still there, but the border blockades are gone now. And maybe he got a lot of pressure from the United States because this was costing people millions of dollars a day. So like so he had two choices, I guess, which was you know actually get rid of the mandates, which, which is what he should have done. I mean, even, I mean, obviously we are on that side. Like we want that to happen either way. But if, if I'm the president of, of, of sorry, prime minister of Canada and I have a choice between what he did and just ending the mandates and then getting the people to go home, you, 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 you got to take the second option, right? Because you, you've now imperiled public trust in the banking system, which is probably the worst thing that a leader 
of a major Western country could do since like they run everything. You, you don't, you don't want attention. I, 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 I agree with like our, some of our um, lefty friends who over the years like said that Occupy Wall Street did actually accomplish something. And I think it did. I think it, 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 I, I don't think that they liked people focusing their ire on bankers. I think that's the one thing they can't, they really can't tolerate. Now, of course, nothing came of it. Well, what do you mean nothing's come of There's been a bank run today. No, no, no I'm talking about. No, I'm he's admit- talking about Occupy oh, Wall Street. Got it got is got worth got- noting with, uh, with Occupy Wall Street, make of this what you will, but Black Lives Matter Generation 1 rose yeah. to prominence sort of seemingly around the time where it would have been convenient to buy, to bump Occupy Wall Street out of consciousness as like the main sort of like progressive cause celebre or whatever. We have a we have a uh, a very very tough very very hard fought Democratic primary heating up in Louisville, Kentucky. (laughs) A Democratic uh, this is the AP. A Democratic mayoral candidate in Kentucky's largest city said he is shaken but safe after a man stormed his campaign headquarters Monday morning and fired a weapon point blank at him. Which, by the way, you know, as a little kid, I thought point blank meant like you were like shoving the barrel like into the meat of the person. You know what I mean? That uh, that's not what it means. Point blank can mean like any like fifteen feet away, I guess, uh, which is weird. But the official definition, like you can close enough to get powder burns from the shot. I don't and know. That's pretty cool. I mean, you can be, you can be a couple feet away and, and that still happened. Yeah. But, uh, so there's a guy, the eyes, the, whenever you have one of the, except for a few cities. So like cities, like, and by the way, it's kind of funny. It's cities in, in Canada. It's like this, but like, I don't know if you've ever seen, uh, Canada will have like right wing mayors. And reason why is because in a lot of these cities, the suburbs are part of the city. In America, I, I don't know how many cities we have like that, but we certainly have Jacksonville. Uh, but I think, I think Na- uh, Nashville too is the other one that I'm thinking of. That that makes sense. And but uh, but in general, like you're if you're Republican, you have no chance. Uh, so these 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 races are just pure. Um, you know, it, it, it's all it's, it's all primary action. Uh, this uh, so this guy's running for mayor. He was shot by someone that's not uninvolved in politics. No, he was, he's a BLM activist. There's a, a, a uh, the um, Defiant L's account was posting like the bevy of tweets from the last few years of blue check journalists and other like local politicians he, praising he, this. Uh, he, he's a guy who's Brown. been getting his career going over the over the past couple of years. They were showing, yeah, it, for some, dropping think pieces, doing stuff, BLM. Yeah, it sounds like he's uh, a maniac because last last year he. He went missing and his family put out an APB for him. And that's not like if you're a grown man and that happens, like you've got, you've got serious mental problems. That doesn't really happen to adults uh, who are neurotypical. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't know how neurotypical you can be in working politics, but <clears throat> either, either way, this, this is okay. So this is really strange, right? So normally it's just some like a uh, violent hobo or something, uh, uh, or you would assume that like, you know, it's in Louisville or, you know, someone's trying to, uh, get get his basketball shoes or something, but that's not what happened. Like so, uh, th- this is like these people probably know each other. This is like you start. This is like a uh, somebody's trying to assassinate somebody over a 
mayoral race in the United States. This is this is kind of like some like uh fucked up we uh, haven't, story. We haven't got to the punchline yet. Let me let me just go ahead and and and, and paste it. It's uh yeah, they do know each other because uh, BLM just brought a hundred thousand dollar cashier check to the jail and bailed the guy out of prison. So this yeah. gentleman, this gentleman is now wandering free. Yeah, she, uh, the activist that's bailing him out has a free uh, uh, Angela um, Davis, Davis shirt on uh, while she's doing. It. It's pretty, uh, pretty uh, disgusting. But if it's funny, if you look at the the, I looked at the mayor uh, Craig Greenberg or whatever. I think something like that. Uh, I looked at his name. Uh, sorry, his his campaign's website. And like I was expecting when I first like when I heard well BLM shoots the mayor I think this guy must be conservative right he must be one of those big blue dog Democrats nah his his entire campaign page is just like uh, here's how we need how we can give money to to like racialized communities right it, it's totally like you would there would be no reason for this for the for BLM to beef with this guy. Gord, how you doing, buddy? Uh, hi, how's my mic sound? Is everything okay? Yeah, you sound great. Uh, thanks for having me. I wasn't expecting this. I just thought I would lob missiles from the chat. Um, you know, I mean, I have been canceled. I thought that meant I had no rights on the show either. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, we, 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 yeah, we'd love to hear from you. So, uh, I don't know if people know, so you've, you've been on a whirlwind tour. You've been on uh TV and so forth. And like almost like the day of that you went on Fox, they, they nuked your account. Uh, on twitter yeah i um yeah it was really weird so last friday uh, about lunchtime i get this email uh from fox news and i, and I thought it was spam like well, why would fox news get a hold of me and i open it up and it's just like frantic hey laura ingraham saw your uh our newsweek article and she would like to discuss it with you on the show would you like to be on uh the ingraham angle today and i was a little bit shocked and so I emailed them back and said, when? And they said, well, we're taping at 3 o'clock. And I'm like, oh, shit, that's three hours. But I had to do this calculus in my head because, you know, my wife is a progressive and so are all my in-laws and a bunch of people I know in Canada. And I'm like, man, I'm going to bring the hate for even showing up on Fox News. <laughs> and um, But then, you know, it was like they're handing me a, a megaphone to talk to potentially millions of people. And tell them that, you know, my fellow road warriors aren't bad guys and not to believe anything you hear in the Canadian media. So I, I accepted her offer. And then, yeah. um, and then, and then, yeah, Saturday, my phone started blowing up and uh, started getting all these weird questions from people. And, and then some of my friends in Canada even were like, hey, Gord, we saw you on TV, man. What the hell is that all about? And, um, yeah, your mug is, is is the screenshot on the uh, the uh, the YouTube video. But yeah, not, I, I not saw just, that. Not just Fox though. So uh, I I I think you uh, you've been in Newsweek twice in the past week. Yes. Oh, uh, correct. Yeah, I, I wrote a second article for Newsweek. Um, I actually uh, almost turned that one down just because so much stuff has been happening. Like you guys have been following this, and you've done like three podcasts in a row now where you've touched on the situation in Canada because every day there's like some new chaos that Trudeau is unleashing on the country because the motherfucker just won't give it up. You know? Yeah. Well, this is the, I mean, so uh, this is the biggest story there's been since we've had this show. I mean, this is a mega story that, that, that consolidates down like 
every, so many different things people are talking about. But, you know, as you said, uh, you're talking about the uh, uh, progressives and right wing and stuff. I think what you've seen today is that uh, people are kind of realizing that, like, uh, based on your work and others, that uh, the public perception of this is no longer that this is just, this is some crazy right wing thing. Uh, we have seen more and more and more massive op- uh, 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 states and, and governments get rid of their, their COVID restrictions. We've seen, I don't know if you, if you saw uh, Ilhan Omar in the past like hour or so said that uh, they shouldn't do the, uh, the, uh, the, the money, the, whatever, the bank free. Yeah, stuff. well, you know, the, the leaders around the world have been piling on Trudeau because they recognize what he's doing for what it is. It's, it's a naked totalitarian power grab. You know, like he invoked the Emergencies Act on Monday, and then the very first thing he did after invoking it was announce, okay, the banks can basically take any of your assets if we believe you're giving money to the convoy, you know, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, if we believe you're one of our political enemies. And it's, it, it's, it's, it's unbelievable what the guy's doing, and, and yet he's getting away with it, um, in part because of this Jagmeet Singh character who's the leader of the NDP, who is, you know, when I first saw him come along the political scene in Canada a few years ago, I sort of thought, well, you know, yeah, good for him you know they they claim to be the party of labor i knew back then that was a lie but you know i thought i'd give the guy a a chance he said some like he described himself as a libertarian socialist and i thought okay well we're halfway there um but since he's been in power all he's done is uh peddled in identity politics nonsense and he's one of these guys that won't let go of this Nazi flag thing at the rally and smearing us all as right-wing nutjobs. And, you know, if, if not for him, Trudeau wouldn't be getting away with any of this. Let's not forget that. A lot of the focus is on Trudeau, but he's in a minority parliament. He's in a minority position. He can't do this without support from others. And Jagmeet Singh's been going along with everything. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is, I don't know if it's improper, but like, why is he in charge of the NDP? Like, I don't know. Like, the, the, uh, are there a ton of Sikhs in, in Canada or something? Like, the, like, why would you have a, C, a Sikh uh, identity politics so guy? He's, he's from British Columbia, right? So there's a massive Sikh community in Vancouver. In fact, one of Canada's oldest immigrant communities are Sikhs who uh, came to Vancouver in the 19th century to work in the lumber mills in BC. Like they've been around for longer than my family's been in Canada. You know, Um, there's certain uh, areas of Vancouver, uh, specifically uh, the city of Surrey. That's, I don't know, it's something like 70 or 80% Sikh. So, I mean, you know, it's, it, it would be easy enough for a guy like him to run locally and win because he's got that kind of backing. Um, A little bit of history on the NDP, the New Democratic Party. They were led for a long time up and into the mid-2000s by a guy named Jack Layton. Layton, I was just about to ask you about him. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and Layton died. So there was this power vacuum. And then for a little while, it was filled by this guy named Thomas Mulcair, it was another sort of old school union labor guy who, you know, I, I didn't know too much about him. He was a little bit of a blowhard for my liking, but, um, and then I can't remember there was, there was 
Mo Kerr got in trouble within the NDP caucus for something. I don't know if he like made a mistake or had had some like some perceived poor leadership. And then once he was gone, Jagmeet Singh came along. Layton was was some kind of like uh, I, I don't know. I wouldn't say he's uh, equal. I mean, or, or match in any way, but like um or, or or similar at all. But like someone like a uh, uh, Teddy Roosevelt, where he like had massive universal popularity, uh, right? Jack Layton was very well liked. That's correct. I don't know if it was for the same reasons as Roosevelt. And, you know, Jack Layton was, uh, he, he was a short, skinny little man. Like he didn't have a whole lot of stature, but, you know, he was fairly well liked. He was from Toronto. He was sort of, you know, he, he I think he represented the Dan- Danforth, which is sort of like the east side of downtown Toronto. And everybody there loved him. And, you know, he was, you know, he was a good retail politician. And um, God bless him. I, I, I distinctly remember that Jack Layton was the first Canadian politician to be on Twitter, like federal level <laughs> leader. And there was a there was a leaders debate on the CBC in an election around, oh, man, like 2008 or 2009. I remember this very well because. I was like, I had come off the road, like I was still trucking, but only locally. I was sort of babysitting my grandfather because he was getting dementia and my mom was disabled. But anyway, long story, I'm sitting there with my grandpa and my mom and we're watching the leaders debates and Jack Layton said the, used the phrase hashtag fail and all (laughs) over the newspapers the next day, because he was describing some position of Stephen Harper's and Nobody knew what the fuck he meant because, like, Twitter hadn't penetrated the consciousness yet. You know, it was kind of funny. And then, like, my I, I remember my mom asking me, "What's Twitter?" And I'm like, "I don't know. It's something like Facebook, I guess, because I had never used it." What What are uh, have, have you spoken with many any other truckers, especially any of the ones in the protest? Uh, I don't know if you've seen the video that's going around today. It's been very popular. With they've um. A local a, a a local correspondent's interviewing a trucker, and she asks him what he's going to do if they freeze his bank account, and he says, uh, "I don't have any money in there anyway, so I don't really care." And uh, the, the 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 correspondent just breaks down laughing. It, it's, it's kind of a great moment. But have you spoken to anyone involved? What what are people's spirits like? Yeah, so um, I did my. I, I've had a very good friend of mine named Tim who is on Parliament Hill, parked down the street from Parliament on Wellington Street. He left in the middle of the night on Monday. He backed his truck up and got made his way out of Ottawa and headed back to Alberta. I think he just sort of. I, I think he took what Trudeau was saying seriously, and um, you know, the trailer he was hooked to belongs to another guy. And, like, it's his truck, but the plates are registered to the company he hauls for. So, like, he had too many sort of, like, areas of responsibility in case the truck and his trailer got seized. So he skipped town. Um, But that's very funny, that video you mentioned, because, you know, it it is sort of – it it shows a a certain level of – you know, uh, obliviousness on the part of the government to say, well, we're going <laughs> to seize your bank accounts. Well, it's like, motherfuckers, you laid all these guys off. And if you live paycheck to paycheck and these guys haven't worked in a month and they've been hanging out in Ottawa for two weeks being fed by a community kitchen, it stands to reason that a lot of them don't actually have any money for you to take. Yeah. To the, the you know, the attorneys that were advising him, I'm, you know, that would be probably a, you know, the worst nightmare scenario. 
for people who live in paycheck to paycheck, well, you know, what is what is a bank account? Uh, I, I, I've scoured the news. It looks like I think there isn't any. Uh, they've cleared up all the um, the uh, I don't know whatever you call it the the, the inter country uh, yeah, connections. The, the three blockades are, are over now. Uh, that may, I mean, another one could have popped up. I don't know, but like, last I heard today, like the blockades are gone. Yeah. So the the and I don't know if you guys saw the video. Um, that Ezreal event guy and his rebel news people kind of blasted it all over the place. But the the other major one was at Coots, Alberta, uh, and Sweetgrass, Montana, and those were the that was the biggest other protest besides the one happening in Ottawa. And it's been there the longest. Like those guys rolled into town, rolled into the, to Coots the same time everybody else got to Ottawa, and they left. And what they did was they had a ceremony where all or a bunch of the protesters met with a bunch of the RCMP out on the road, right at the border. They all shook hands and hugged each other, and all the truck drivers sang "Oh Canada" to the cops, and then got in their rigs and left. Like, right? It's been fun partying with y'all. We're out of here now. <laughs> yeah, I saw people complain, complaining about that on Twitter. You know, you know who I'm talking about. These these people who like wouldn't have been happy unless they machine gunned the truckers. Like they were like, this is exactly why this happened because the police took us us off. You know, <laughs> the New York Times ran an interesting piece today that said uh, they were talking. They were talking, and uh, it was kind of a, a good idea to think about like this because you got to think about like uh, uh, politicians are 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 you know they're scummy people. They it's the scummy business that, in in general. And uh, they were talking about like so the last the last like big election they had in Canada was very drawn out and uh, 40, 40 something million dollars were raised. Uh, uh, to to elect Trudeau, I guess they said, and they were like, uh, they they said politicians, Canadian politicians have noticed uh, that like uh, a third of that was raised in like a week by this trucker thing, which makes you know uh, immediately uh, politicians who are opportunistic, and I, and I mean this in a good way, they're thinking like, hmm, uh, there's uh, there's a big market here that's not being served. Like yeah, it's an untapped market. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think I think you're I think you're starting to see that with the Conservative Party. You know, like the the first big win that the convoy racked up was the CPC had a sort of emergency caucus meeting, and they got rid of Aaron O'Toole and installed this Candace Bergen lady. And it's been, um, you know, that was a massive W, massive W. That like even like immediately like right after it started, that happened, and like that in and of itself was a huge W. Yeah, huge win. And then again, you know, a, a bunch of the provinces have all fallen in line. And and this this guy Doug Ford, man, like he, I've never seen somebody dance in so many different directions all at once. You know, <laughs> he's, a, he's a real politician. But he's slippery like an eel going through the Sargasso Sea. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Smile. I don't know about an eel, bro. He kind of strikes me as a bit of a manatee, but um, <laughs> <laughs> grease, grease him up a little bit. <laughs> anyway, so this guy. Uh, you know, on Friday when I was still on Twitter, I was watching. <laughs> I was watching the uh, his. Uh, he, he gave a presser at like ten thirty in the morning on Friday, and he announced this provincial wide emergency uh, declaration to like, you know, grant him the powers to clear off the Ambassador Bridge and the Blue Water Bridge. And in that, in 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 that uh, speech he gave, he said, you know, 
you know, we're, we're going to be moving towards, you know, opening up, but like not because of the truckers and you guys have laid siege to Ottawa and to the 90% of truckers that still want to work. You know, I thank you very much for keeping the economy going, but uh, you know, the, 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 these terrorists in Ottawa, you know, and he used all this verbiage to sort of slander us. And then he, you know, he, he was talking out of both sides of his mouth. And then none of the, uh, none of the reporters that were at that presser bothered to ask him if he or prime minister Trudeau had talked to anybody in the convoy because, you know, they're a compliant press corps. And then, you know, on uh, this, I think it was yesterday or maybe Monday, he's, he he goes for a a photo op at one of the steel mills in Hamilton. I think he was at Tefasco where I used to pick up steel. In fact, I think I actually recognized the part of the mill he was in. And he says, you know, we're all over it. We need to open up. We're, we're going to, we're, we're, we're going to, you know, advance the, uh, the announcement I made earlier. We're going to do it sooner. I don't want anything to do with these vaccine passports. Like we all want to go back to normal. And he was totally nonchalant about it. And then said nothing about the guys in Ottawa and just played it off. Like, you know, I'm listening to them, but I'm not going to acknowledge that I'm listening to them. You know, he even went as far to say that, uh, you know, the vaccine passports didn't make any sense. They were illogical because they knew that you could still spread the virus uh, after you had had the vaccine. Yeah, he admitted, he admitted that, like, reality. No one's admitting that. Yeah, exactly. Right. He, he just completely like embraced reality. My, my uh, jaw was on the floor through the whole thing. Yeah, he even said, you know, true, the prime minister's been triple vaccinated and he still got it. Yeah, but it was, I mean, that was magic. It was mad. That's you could just see the the power of the protest in this. Like, it, it was, I mean, I was stunned. I, I haven't seen anything like that through the, this whole this whole pandemic. It sounded like he, in that moment, he was kind of talking off the cuff, too, because it didn't sound like talking points that were rehearsed because it came out, you know, like the way, uh, I don't know, what one of us aside from like Fredo or uh Gord would talk on, you know, just like you're, you're shooting, you're shooting from the hip. You're not, it's not very well rehearsed. The bottom, like the bottom line is, is this, like something has changed. Like uh, uh, if, the, the Hegel say that the world spirit, I can't ever remember what, what the, uh, the, the Velt guys, the Velt guys has changed. And, and like, w- like what, like what has people realized? So now all of a sudden people are looking at, so uh, if you look around, like we have these like large, inclusive, diverse workforces, everybody's like doing all. And if you look at a modern uh, Western state, there's all kinds of people doing all kinds of, of different things. But at the end of the day, like there's some things have to be done and most people don't want to do them. There, uh, I, I, there's so many bullshit claims that are still being uh, bandied about by people that are, uh, uh, they're, they're <clears throat> basically living in a fantasy world saying like, oh, well, if we change the age of this or we don't drug test or that like that, then we'll, all of a sudden we'll have like all these people who yesterday were only willing to do, uh, office labor will be willing to drive a truck. No, they're not. They're not like this is you're going to have to listen to the people that that are that do these difficult jobs and you can't just shit on them anymore. Well, one of the one of my favorite replies I would see, like, you know, when you coast around Twitter, when, when this thing first got rolling and they got and the boys first rolled into Ottawa 
and the sort of media campaign against us began in earnest. If you would look under any blue check media slagging of us, a, a reply you would often see from people who clearly haven't been fucking paying attention to me or any other reality-based media is like, well, why can't we just hire more truckers? Like, it's only 30,000 of them. Just fire them all <laughs> and, and get more. Like, like we like we grow on trees or something. Like, they have no idea how any of this shit works. Yeah, it's, this is the same thing with the, every couple of years you see, oh, we're going to raise up 50,000 more COBOL programmers. No, you're not, because co programming COBOL is hard as shit. You're not going to just, people. there are lots of people who uh, are willing to work in an office, type emails and stuff, or do all kinds of things uh, that are not willing to uh, uh, be a truck driver, especially with all the responsibility and all that stuff comes. And here, here's the real scary part. The real so this convoy was very like uh, a very overt thing. You know that they 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 told them in advance we're coming here. Here's the convoy. We you know you know what we want. We're gonna be here. You, you can talk to us, etc. But but here's like the scary part. Is people like the next convoys? They don't even have. They don't have to do anything but sit at home. That's it. The, you, you don't have you don't have to to have a press conference. You don't have you don't have to go on TV. All these people have to do is to sit at home, and things don't appear on show. Well, this is this is what my friend Tim said when he about went back to Alberta. He said, "I'm not working. Like I'm just going to go home and hang out." And um, there's been a few other people I've spoken with, uh, truckers and non-truckers, and just people in my life who are also, you know, strategists, strategists, and political junkies such as ourselves who've all said, you know, and even Jordan Peterson said this, you know, like, you know, t you guys have had some pretty good impact here. If, if, if you go home and clear out, don't take it as an L you've racked up all these W's. And if we go home and just not work for another couple of weeks, sooner or later, they're either they're going to cave or they're going to continue to see this constriction in the freight market and rates through the roof and everything being super expensive and shortages you just just go hang hang out at home and you're still going to have an effect yeah th that's that's not going to go away and lots of uh uh there's there's gonna be a, that that is going to be the, the weight in the future that now like there's going to be a conversation every election now it's going to be uh people are going to say the truckers the same way they do uh you know they say like uh they bring up uh these uh like uh big three attorneys and stuff like that. Well, guess what? You can have a really functional society without big three attorneys or whatever, whatever you call, big three accountants <laughs> or whatever the hell they are. Well, I, I, rec I reckon we should have musical sofas where like truck drivers and grocery store workers and warehouse people and the guys that work at ports, they get to spend two years at home with an email job and all the fucking bugs have to go out and actually do the hard sweaty work. And like, <laughs> let's see what happens. Let's do musical sofas for a little while. And see how it all goes. Yeah, I thought Angela Nagel was really good on their last podcast about this. She was talking about these people are, are just they'd only have one move is to squeeze to squeeze the actual productive economy and the productive productive workers like a bar rag, and they've built an economy of bullshit uh, of all these fake jobs and all these people that live off their toil, and then not not even just that, but treating them like shit and. Uh, I, I we'll, we'll see how that works going forward. Yeah. Um. Can I can I bring up like two more little items that have happened uh, it's, here? This, it's all yours, man. Oh wow. No, thank you. Um. So 
a couple of things happened today, and I, I sent the links to Merrick, and he hasn't commented on them yet, so I'll take the initiative here. Well, um, well, well before we, I guess we should before we go further, in case anyone doesn't know. So, uh, so this is Gord McGill. He is a Canadian truck driver. He's been on Fox News. He's been in Newsweek past twice a week. We had we had an interview with him. You can see him around. Uh, sorry. Continue. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Well, you, you could see me on Bird app, but I've been gulagged again. But I, I don't want to get into that. I've had to explain it to too many people. It's getting old. Y'all can figure it out. But anyway, um, so a letter was written to Justin Trudeau and Joe Biden by sixteen different state governors and two provincial premiers, basically demanding that they end the mandates. You know, saying mm. like the the, with, the economy can no longer withstand the shortage of drivers, and this is, you know, in more diplomatic language, they're basically telling these guys this is the R word, like knock it off. You know, of course, when when this was reported in the media, it said, well, they're all Republican governors, as if to try and you know, you know make this more you know, political than it should be, although it still somewhat is. That was interesting. And then um, something took place in Canadian Parliament today, which is going to shift even more public opinion against Justin Trudeau. So um, Trudeau is still, and like his buddy Jagmeet Singh, are, are still pushing this Nazi narrative. You know, this one obvious fucking glowy showed up with a Nazi swastika flag you know, he was accosted by the crowd and he ran away. He was traveling by himself. He had police issue boots, yada, yada, yada. Anyway, Tr Trudeau's still going on about this. And in Parliament today, he accused everybody in the Conservative Party of standing with Nazis. Uh, unfortunately, there's a young woman who's a member of Parliament for the Thornhill Riding, which is a uh, suburb sort of area of Toronto. And she's Jewish. And she is the descendant of Holocaust survivors. So she got up on a point of privilege or point of order in Parliament and basically tore Trudeau a new asshole and said, you know, I'm a Holocaust survivor. How dare you accuse me of standing with Nazis? Like, this is ridiculous. And I demand an apology. And Trudeau fucking walked out of Parliament and didn't answer her. I saw the clip of that and it it was it was almost funny because when he when he dropped the canned line the conservatives booed really loudly and there were a few people on his side who kind of clapped about it but nobody seemed really enthused like I it feels like they've gone to the well too many times with that one and it just doesn't really have the uh, desired effect anymore. Yeah they they have gone to the well and everybody I talk to knows it's BS like you know, the, the, they just keep repeating it because they've got nothing else. Trudeau's painted himself into a corner. And like <clears throat> in the wake of my Fox News appearance, of course, you know, like my little brother went on Facebook and called me a Nazi and a bunch of my old friends in Canada. Jesus. You know, like I was sent screenshots of people I used to associate with in Canada who I haven't seen in a long time. And they're all saying, well, wow, I can't believe somebody in the community went this far right, and it's a sad day. I can't believe Gordo's this far right person, and no consideration of any of the arguments, no consideration of any of the facts on the ground. And, you know, I, I talked to some of those people, and I talked to my little brother, and I explained everything to him, and I've sent a few of the podcasts I've been on to them, and they've started sort of saying, well, yeah, no, you know what, maybe you're right. The problem is, 
is that the media ecosystem is so bifurcated between, you know, progressives and conservatives, D's and R's, same in Canada. It's just the whole culture war thing. And it it actually takes people listening to somebody they know who actually is a subject matter expert or knows what they're talking about to explain it to them. They've been paused so badly by the media that when they see a very good friend of theirs, such as myself, appear on like, you know, satanic television or whatever, they just immediately assume I've gone off the deep end without considering anything. And you, and you have to show it to them, you know? Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, that, that, that's sad. I, I wouldn't write, uh, I wouldn't write them off. I don't mean just you. I just mean anyone who's listening to, to this in, in those kind of situations, you know, not everybody, you know, it's, it's, it's scary and, and terrifying to a lot of people that like the news could be lying. Even if it's, you know, even if it's someone, you know, well, that news is with them all the time. They get in their car, they turn on the radio, they're on the, they hear the news They're They get at home, they flip on the TV, they hear the news, they hear it all day, all day. They, all the, all the, uh, the people they interview is the same, same liars and stuff. And it, it's not, it, 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 it can, it can take some time with, with, with them, you know? So, uh, and I think that's what we, we've seen with this protest. There's a lot of people who at the first, they're like, Oh, you know, they, they, they bought the, the, the quickie, the quickie things they said about this because, you know, most people are busy. Most people are busy that they're going through the day. They flip on the TV. They say, Oh, well, this is the thing. Just like this other thing that, that you know about. This is just like this other thing that you know about, like, regardless of what you would say about January 6th or something like, there isn't really any way that this is, would compare to it, like in any regards. Like it doesn't matter whether you think good or bad. Like this is just not. This is a very. This this just this is you know uh, these these workers and stuff. This just doesn't have anything to do with it. But uh, you know people are like oh well I guess that's just what it is. And then you start seeing the long form interviews come out. And uh, I don't know that today that that one that that one that was going around where this is this guy's obviously not a terrorist. He was you could just tell he was a good person. And there he said, you know, well I don't have any money. This kind of thing. So just these Yeah, no, and 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 we have to, you know, I, my my wife likes to sort of make fun of, you know, Rumble and Bitshoot and all the supposed crazies on there. But if you go on those websites or you go on YouTube and just punch in Freedom Convoy, you can just see literally thousands of videos of interviews of every person under the sun, every demographic background, everybody that's gone down to Ottawa. And, you know, and and they're not the things that Trudeau and the gang are saying they are. And I think people are starting to get it, which is why, you know, the polling numbers Every poll, like every couple of days now, the polling numbers are swinging more and more in our favor. Like if people don't outright support the freedom convoy, they at least support the idea that the mandates are stupid and need to be over. Right. Dre asked a, uh, Dre asked a question that I had been thinking about myself uh, and directed to Fredo. A part of the emergency order that uh, Trudeau decreed said that they, they could go after your bank account if you sent money to one of these blockade uh, charities and also crypto i i was wondering uh, is there any realistic way that you they could actually track someone down who used bitcoin to donate to one of these causes yeah so i mean let, let's sort of limit the discussion to bitcoin because that's what i'm most familiar with and uh, everything, pretty much all the other, you know, cryptocurrencies people are holding in custodial wallets, which is no less censorship resistant than a, uh, 
you know, than a bank account. So, you know, in the case of Bitcoin, it really depends on how smart people are being. Um, so in theory, right. Uh, if I send Bitcoin, uh, to an address and that address is somehow tied to the truckers, they're able to figure out that that address is an, is an address that's related to the truckers. The government could theoretically figure out that it was me that was the sender. And the way they would do that is if I had bought that Bitcoin on like a regular Bitcoin exchange. So like Coinbase or Gemini or something like that. Right. Uh, then when that coin was transferred off exchange to me, that creates sort of a trace between Gemini and me. And then you could follow that coin to the truckers. Right. So all the government would have to do is sort of go to uh, Gemini or Coinbase or wherever I bought that coin and say, hey, who was the guy that, you know, initiated a transfer to that address? Coinbase has my info from when I signed up for an account, let's say they turn, you know, they turn me over and then the government could like theoretically penalize me for financing terrorism or something like that. Right. So it's a couple things about that, though. So, number one, even. uh even in the event that that happened, that doesn't give them really the ability to actually seize the coins. I mean, the the blockchain is irreversible, so there's there's not a way specifically to do that just based upon tracing the coins. So all they're able to do is sort of punish me for sending them. Secondly, I mean, there are a lot of different ways in which you can, uh, you know, gain your privacy when pulling coins off an exchange, such that uh, you know, it's not going to be picked up by sort of that tracing software. Um, I mean, there's things as simple as, uh, you know, I, I'm not suggesting to rely on something this simplistic, let me be clear, but, a, a what's called like a three hop transfer, which just means it's transferred to two, uh, to three dummy addresses before it goes to its ultimate destination. There's that some of the less sophisticated tracking software only goes what's called three hops. So, three addresses forward. So that itself will sometimes, uh, scarily significant number of times, in fact, uh, you know, prevent you from being traced. Again, you really wouldn't want to rely on that per se. There are more sophisticated methods like CoinJoin, uh, which is a non-custodial method of putting your coins in the same transaction as someone else's coins. Uh, so that when you get your coins back on the other side at a new address, it basically can't be traced back to the exchange where you initially bought them. Uh, and then there are improvements to the Bitcoin protocol itself that are being done right now. One of the major ones is called Taproot, and I won't get into all of the you know nitty gritty details, but that was just activated recently. So Bitcoin Core, which is the ba- main Bitcoin node software, recently activated Taproot. Uh, most wallets don't support it yet, but they will soon. Now that it's supported in the protocol, I mean, wallets will start uh, supporting it. And that that itself also creates a variety of different privacy enhancing features. Not to even mention if the coins have been sent with Lightning, which is a layer two protocol over top of you know the main Bitcoin protocol. So, in terms of tracing, that's what you're looking at. In terms of you know whether they can actually seize the coins, regardless of whether they trace them. This is what, this is something where you like you hear a lot of like commentary on Twitter from people that uh, you know that don't like Bitcoin will say, well, you know, yeah, they can't seize it, but they can just sort of 
you know, they can grab you and throw you in a cell and torture you until you voluntarily, you know, move your coins over to the government or whatever. Which, well, which has happened before. Yeah. I mean, that's a thing. But, First but of all, that, the, I don't yeah. know. If the, I don't think the guy gave it up, though. Um, so this this was a, a guy in a divorce in Germany. Right. And they, they tried to, to beat it out of him, his, his code. But if he remembers his code. You know, yeah, as long as his keys are secure. Exactly. And so, I mean, there's a few things about that. I mean, number one, yeah, that's theoretically true. Right. But doing something like that requires your enemy to, to expend political capital, which is itself valuable. So, like, if you were to take the sort of the logic behind, like, well, they can always just throw you in jail and force you to turn it over if they can't seize it on their own. You know, that's the same logic that says it's not worth running for city council because they can just cheat in elections anyway. Right. Well, well you I know, mean, I, I've said that before. And what I mean by saying that is that, well, they can't do it because I mean, that means like, yeah, they could they could beat it out of you if you were in Singapore or Riyadh. Right. <laughs> If you're in a Western state, uh, I don't think you can. I don't think you can get a, 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 a judge to uh, to uh, well, if, if write you get, that. If you get to the point where like there's sticking uh, bamboo under your fingernails in, in the federal penitentiary, like the, the like the the Bitcoin things are relevant at that point. Like you're in a totally different world than exists right now. So it's like you'd be kind of what 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 would be a safe way to store your money at that point? I guess burying it in the yard and mason jars would be the only thing you could do. And I don't even know that that's per se safer, which I'll get to in a second. But yeah, you hit the nail right on the head there, right? Like the, the issue there is, I mean, you can always take that argument to anything, right? Like to any sort of, you know, effective action, you could say, oh, well, they'll just kill you. It's 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 part of like the same thing, like in the long run, we're all dead. Well, like, yeah, in the literal sense, you know, that is true. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, okay, well, there is this, uh, Camistall is a great question here. Please leave that up because I want to address that when I finish. The second thing is, you know, anybody who knows what the hell they're doing is storing their coins in a multi-signature solution anyway, right? So, uh, you know, a multi-signature solution is a wallet where one private key isn't enough. So the most common is a two of three. It means you have three different sets of private keys and you can't move the coins without a quorum of them. So two of the three. And the way you handle that is, you know, you might keep one set of private keys in your house on, let's say, a hardware device. Uh, you might have another set with a trusted family member and a third set a thousand miles away. You know, God knows where. So the idea behind that sort of thing is not even just for governments, but it's if someone just grabs you off the street because they know you have Bitcoin it's not a physical possibility for you to be able to turn your coins over to them, even if you wanted to. Now, you know, in the event of a really stupid thief, well, they may not care and just kill you anyway. Right. But the idea behind this is if that becomes common enough practice, it becomes not worthwhile for people to do, to grab people off the street in order to try to get their Bitcoin because they know they're not they're going to have to kill a guy and not get anything out of it because he has no physical way of turning over his coins, even if he wanted to, um, you know, on a short enough time frame anyway, you know, with respect to something like a, like a quick in and out kidnapping. So like, you know, it, it, that is another like aspect to this in terms of, you know, it, it, that makes it even harder for someone to get you to turn over your coins and, and to go to, to Camistall's question here before. And I think one of you guys had a question, but I just wanted to, address this first. What about finding businesses for accepting crypto transactions? 
do they have to bother trying to get you to give it up? So that's a great question. So the issue with that is there are already today, just to use a few examples, uh, if I need to go buy my groceries, there are tons of businesses over the internet which are not located in the United States or in this case, not located in Canada. So they're not subject to any of this stuff where I can send my Bitcoin and they will send me a digital Walmart gift card or just the code. You know what I mean? And I can take that to Walmart and I can go buy my groceries, right? Um, so that's just one example. Same thing with Amazon, whatever. Um, all the, these gift card businesses are overseas for precisely this reason um, to help with, to assist with this sort of thing in the meantime. Secondly, the idea here is you can always send your Bitcoin to someone else who isn't burned. Uh, and that one, that person goes to the store or wherever they have to go, buys the goods that you need for you and brings it to you. Um, you might be paying that person for that service, but you're still going to get what you need, right? Um, by transferring the coins in that way. And then when it comes to digital services, I mean, right now I can pay for web hosting in Russia, no problem uh, with Bitcoin. I can host whatever I want over there. Uh, they won't take my name. They won't take my address. They won't take any of that information. They don't respond to U.S. court orders, and they take Bitcoin for payment. So, I mean, depending on exactly you know what kind of you know goods or services you need, there is typically a way to get it, even in a situation where your government is uh, you know not allowing to not allowing businesses to accept Bitcoin. And that I mean, then that analysis doesn't even get into the fact that like. Uh, businesses are going to accept it on the black market anyway because it's valuable, right? I mean, especially if the if the fact that it's a black market thing allows them to charge a markup. Perfect example, uh, you know, it's illegal. Well, when I lived there, it was illegal to spend U.S. dollars in Venezuela. You could absolutely buy things in Venezuela with U.S. dollars, right? There was an entire black market for it. So that's always the case in these situations. Look. Let's 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 contextualize this because uh this is this is uh this is that's very good information and one thing about this so a lot of people are asking those questions all of a sudden today why is that well we've had this uh so one of the the one of the biggest weapons that 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 the convoy had was that they had great funding originally through who was the first uh uh, uh donation GoFundMe. Uh, GoFundMe was taking the donations originally, and then GoFundMe froze the account. They said they were going to give all the money to BLM or something. That, that let's we've already covered that. So then, uh, give the another uh, another uh, business popped up that was going to take care of this. And this Gibson is very, go. and this is very important, right? Because you got to realize, like politics moves with money, money. Uh, uh, like you need money to do everything. So these guys need money to, to get the, the diesel and all this kind of stuff. And this, this is something that's going to be important going forward. Cause as you can see, these, these, these governments, they, they can like, they may not even be able to get cops to, to beat you up, but all they have is this, this money, button. this thing does something about this. So give sin go was, 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 was set up to, to do something like this. They were hacked. Uh, was it yesterday? Yeah, they were hacked by an LGBT glowy who, uh, yeah. a guy who's got strong connections to CIA and stuff like that. But in, in one thing, one about, thing about that hack, and once again, you have the backfire is that they and so he and he he released all the names of the people who had donated to it. The problem with that was that there's too many names. There's uh, and they're uh, normal people. 
and they're normal people. We've and we've seen once again progressive American uh, uh, politicians joining hands with uh, America. I don't know. I'm sure there's others in Canada saying there was a woman who owned a bakery that donated some money to it, and uh, we've seen basically across the board America politicians uh, saying this was wrong. This uh, by the uh, the journalists who who did this. Uh, this was a bad look for them. This was another L for them. This is something Tinksword has been talking about. But like, just the desire to be like uh, uh, cruel and tyrannical doesn't really get you there. You know, you have to justify it. Our, uh, this uh, the the hacking thing I w- was great. I wanted to move into this point. Uh, the, they took people's names. I don't know if they got financial information with the hack, but they could. But th- this kind of I've never bought crypto. Uh, Never in my life. I'm not like I'm not. I don't, have, I don't have enough money to worry about that shit for one thing. But like, this is one situation where even for somebody like me, uh, a, a luddite guy, like I can see like if if I wanted to send money to something like this, I would really I would I think I would lean towards using Bitcoin. Fredo, it, like, could you name a service or something that would off the top of your head that somebody could use to? We're not saying completely untraceable, but like to kind of cover your tracks so you don't end up uh, in the crosshairs of people who would like to punish you for sending money to law-abiding citizens and and movements. Yeah, so I mean, the the issue is due to regulation. So any place where you exchange U.S. dollars for Bitcoin, um, that is going to be traceable. So. The way you look at doing this is you would you would buy your there's two ways you can go about doing something like that. Number one, which might be the best way in terms of if you have to do something where privacy is is like a high priority for you, is you should if you know someone who is knowledgeable about Bitcoin, just give them some money and buy it directly from them in a person to person transaction. Um, because that's, I mean, your, your name's not going to be attached to anything in that scenario or that situation. So you're probably in good shape. Um, and if, excuse me, uh, you know, if the coins after they hit you go to, let's say an address that's, let's forget about the truckers for a second. Let's say that person, let's use an extreme example, sent them to one of these addresses that the United States government knows belongs to the government of Iran, Right. Uh, so what would happen in that scenario is if I was a moron and I sold you my Bitcoin, you know, for cash on the street, the government still wouldn't know about you. They would come to me. Now, in theory, I might give you up, right? Uh, like if if the government uh, put a scare into me, but if I'm smart, uh, you know, my coins before selling them to you, I would have taken some steps to, you know, increase my privacy there. If you don't want to rely on knowing someone and buying the coins in a person-to-person transaction, um, what you would want to do is uh, you would you you would want to use a the best thing you could do right now is use what's called a coin joining service. Um, without endorsing any specific one, uh, you know the two of the most popular ones right now are Wasabi and Samurai. Um, there are <laughs> there are others; those are not the only two. There are, there are plenty of others, but. That's a service where you take, let's say you buy your coins on an exchange, uh, you transfer them into a coin join, uh, and depending on what are called the number of rounds, that it's it's like they call it a tumbler or a mixer or whatever the case might be, that you send it through, 
you know, the more privacy you gain on the back end when you get your coins out on the other side. Now there's a, there's a small fee for that, obviously. Um, but <laughs> that's what you're, that's what you're gaining is your privacy there. So if you're buying on a regulated exchange, if you're buying on cash app, whatever, you throw it into a coin join service, you get out on the other side, that would be your best move with respect for, for a normie. There are, I mean, there are really serious, you know, measures you can take if you're doing some really serious. Well, uh, yeah, that's not well, good. That's, money, that's enough it. for donating right. a Canadian truck. Hey, hang on. I, I don't want to, I don't want to keep Gord all night. So Gord, uh, talk. So what, 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 what is your, the, the rest, the rest of your week look like? The rest of this protest look like? What, what, what do you, what do you see? Uh, well, I, I've heard of, I've heard a few rumors. Um, I guess the, apparently the cops in Ottawa, now that they've been taken over by the feds and they've dispensed with their chief of police, uh, have been handing out leaflets telling the truckers basically to leave or else. Um, you know, uh, uh, there's been rumors going around the residents of downtown Ottawa that something big's going to happen tonight, and you know, places of business and offices are going to be closed tomorrow because there's going to be so much action in the streets. But like, this is all wild rumors and speculation. Um, given the uh, rhetoric coming from the uh, leadership of the convoy organizers in Ottawa, I, I don't think they're going anywhere. And I think they have some really smart lawyers who are willing to go to the wall in case anything does start happening. So uh, it's hard to say, but I, I don't believe this is over yet in the slightest. Do you have any, do you have a, a telegram or anything people can follow you at? Um, I'm on telegram. I, I can't even remember what my name is on it. I think it's Gordy locks. Um, I'm also on signal. Um, you can find me on signal last mile, the propane pipeline. I, I started a getter account, which seems to have gone nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. And just search my name. Um, I think these guys in the UK want me to be on their TV show again tomorrow. I don't know. They're, they're they seem a little disorganized. Um, I just finished writing a piece for um, I am 1776. Uh, that fellow, Mark Granza, who, you know, publishes sort of dissident thinkers. Uh, he asked me to do something and it's in the uh, editing stages. So that should be out here in the next couple of days. And, um, you know, I, I've been assured by Newsweek that uh, when we are victorious over Herr Prime Minister Trudeau <laughs> Castro, um, that they're going to let me do a victory lap. So ho hopefully that's sooner rather than later. Damn. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So that's, that's Gordy Locks on Telegram, G O R D I L O C K S. Yeah. And uh, I've had a few people contact me back channel. You know, people have been looking around for me since I got booted from Twitter. I don't know if I'm ever going to try coming back because I had a chat with Oliver Bateman um, from what's left. And he sort of filled me in on the backstory with all the drama around Amy and like the fact that she got banned and then she came back. Uh, and I don't want to give away too many secrets, but like it was near enough to an act of God that that happened, that it probably won't happen again. Mm -hmm. And um, the, there's a, a cabal of like leftoid losers that hang around and compile spreadsheets and screenshots and lists of all these people that they've had kicked off Twitter. 
And I don't know if it was because of my advocacy uh, for truckers before or my association with Oliver and Amy that put me in their sights. But um, the, as soon as that Fox News thing came out, like it lit the bat signal for all these jerks to come back out. And uh, I, I don't know if it's going to be worthwhile for me to try and start a Twitter account again if, if just some bunch of losers out there that hate me for whatever reason are going to get me canceled again. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, this is uh, people. This is um, if people want uh, know about. So th- there are there are certain VIPs that work for Twitter that can get people unbanned. It's very, very, very few. And uh, you basically you have to know someone famous who will get a favor done. It, and it, it's, it's it's extremely difficult. They uh, one of the reasons why uh, I recommend people you should uh. uh don't leave all don't leave all your old tweets up because what what people will do is that so any tweet you've had, once if you the more you tweet you tweet you tweet you will have some tweet that something that one of that that one of these people that you mentioned so there are all these people that you don't know them that they don't they don't have any job or anything to do and all they do is they just uh, they hate people like you and they will go through your your tweets and like they don't even have to know you I don't know so I I people see i retweet follow the frog guys on there they're constantly hounded by these people um and you know all these frog guys they're real young guys like you know uh uh 22 23 and there's people that'll just for no pay they just go and look for them and once you've been pegged once uh then then every other time they can just say well you're this you're this other person you've you've uh i can't remember they call it but um uh a band evasion because that's what happened with Amy is that so the her first band band this is what uh her first band was BS but they never they never debated the first band anymore because then every time she was also banned they say oh well she was clearly banned for band evasion she obviously did that well yeah she did but the the original band was BS uh, yeah this- mine was too mine was a drive by shooting somebody reported a tweet that was literally two words not aimed at anybody or anything totally sucked out of context, but slightly naughty words that were taken to mean uh, hateful transphobia. And <laughs> I, I literally appealed to Twitter like six times uh, on their system. I uh, didn't get anywhere. I wrote them letters explaining why I thought I got, I was involved in this drive-by uh, reporting and wrote them a snail mail. Like I literally sent a letter in the mail to Twitter HQ, nothing. And then I, you know, I did the tech stuff to cover my tracks and came back in July and then boom, go on Fox next day. I get canceled from Twitter again. And they said the same thing as what happened with Amy ban evasion. So somebody ratted me out. That's the only explanation. The important thing to understand about this is that you can say something in 2022 that's, perfectly fine and then in 2025 or whatever you can get banned for it because the, these norms change very quickly uh, that's happened to a lot of people most time they're getting hit for stuff you know like the old stuff the the the, the Kyle Kuklinski special I, I what what I did uh, not too long ago was I you I went signed on one of those deleter apps and I just deleted literally every tweet that I made before we started our our podcast because like I know that at that point I started paying attention to the stuff that I said because you know getting banned from Twitter would have been bad if you're trying to do a podcast. Like it, it, that's the only way you can do it. 
and people people like Richard Spencer are out there all with you know checks and stuff. So like it's it's usually not uh, a political thing. It's usually like you know like so someone said like uh you know I'm not gonna return you know I borrowed your your you know your car for a week or something like uh I'll kill you you son of a bitch I want it back or something <laughs> yeah. that kind of thing. Just that any and they will they will get that and 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 go after you. I would say if you do want to come back. Uh, once you have you, uh, you know, help me find my friends. Post we've seen there's even famous people. People run one of the top podcasts in the nation. Basically, uh, do this thing where you you just keep making accounts. That must suck. I would wouldn't want that on anyone. You can also you could make a a Telegram repeater account where it, it just um, but that's it won't get into that. But either way, on Telegram you can kind of there's something on Telegram that's like a tweet, right? Where you can just sort of you do a public thing and then people can just see what you're doing. Like, in other words, like telegram doesn't necessarily mean people just wanting one-to-one contact with you. They can just see something like a tweet on there. Right. Or am I yeah. wrong about it? Yeah. 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 There's something like that. Uh, I'll, I'll investigate that. Thanks. Yeah. I've been on telegram for a while, but I I've only ever sort of used it as like a direct messaging thing just with people I know, but uh, perhaps I'll in- investigate the tweet option on it. But uh, thank you for all of your, uh, advice and having me on again here tonight and I, I, again i'm i'm honored and my head is spun that like the last couple of weeks you know uh, everybody i've talked to every podcast i've been on every uh, every explanation i have for this is like i literally stuck my head out to defend the people who are being smeared in the media and they happen to be you know my fellow truckers and somehow it touched a nerve and people liked what I had to say. And I'm, I'm still, I, I can't quite wrap my head around all of it, but thank you very much for all of your help in that effort. Thank you for giving us a, a, a first eye thing. To me, this is the event. This is the event. Like yeah, this, this is a, a huge, yeah, this is the, the biggest thing that's happened since, uh, uh, they burned the cities down. Donald Trump won in a surprise victory. I mean, that was a huge shock to the system. This to me is the next biggest thing. Uh, it's a real, real event. Thank, uh, thanks for coming by. You can drop out whenever you want. We're probably going to close. Out. I didn't want to keep you all night. Oh, yeah, yeah no, thank you thanks to all the listeners and uh we'll see you all out there and uh as soon as my next thing comes out i'll send it to you thanks guys yeah thanks, well, you know, gore was talking about taking that victory lap so i got i got one more thing and it, it won't take long but i, I it, it's its own subject matter so here we go lankley governor Glenn Youngkin just signed a bill today that's going to finally ban mask mandates in schools. I think it's going to take effect on March 1st, but that's it. No more, unless, I guess, unless they sue them again and somehow get it overturned, which I don't see happening. In our state, at least, this that crap is over. It's done with. And it, it, it was, it, it's taken a hell of a fight. It's been uh, over a month now and back and forth, national news story. But here, here we go. This is it. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's also unlikely to be challenged, I think, because the blue, the like blue states are all ending theirs on March 31st. And it's, you know, Joe Biden has a speech on March 1st, and I don't know what it's about, but it's speculated to be about winding all this stuff down. Yeah, that's all this, the CDC. It's funny. If anyone had any question, these things were insanely political. Well, I mean, look now. So the CDC did a thing today that was like a... Uh, Oh, who knows the vaccines? Um, uh, you know, it, 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 this is this is hilarious. Now, the only thing now to me, like, um, 
I don't like so a lot of people are saying like, oh, okay, well they're gonna end the end the 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 mandates and the mass stuff because um uh because uh the midterm elections or because of uh his um uh what do you call the approval ratings he's gonna have <laughs> his, yeah all this yeah. kind of stuff that may be true but like this is one of them things where like uh my my indicators like my sensors like i don't like man like really like if that again if it was me if i was a democrat and i've lost the build back better bill i lost the voting rights bill i would uh, if, i would be screaming on the phone at them to keep it going until the midterms even though they say it's going to be over uh that's what i would do so i i i, I i'm I'm not convinced yet. I, I guess, but uh, that that seems like e extreme. They're going to get risk. blown the fuck out, dude. If they can't, if they can't uh, 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 mail out uh, uh, ballots uh, without uh, whatever you call, absentee ballots without them being requested, but like they can't. It seems code. like they've already. I mean, for this upcoming election, I don't know that they'd be able to pull that together in time to get all that stuff sort of repassed by november i don't know i mean that's that's true and i i guess i've heard republicans they they passed lots of bills in the meantime to kind of like block that that kind of yeah that's thing. what i was going to say state legislatures have been pretty aggressive about stopping that like georgia and uh you guys in virginia i don't know if it was statutory or not but like that's how young, a big part of yunkin's victory was they they brought back so during COVID, the the requirement that you needed a witness on uh, mail-in ballots in Virginia was suspended, but they brought it back. I, I'm pretty sure that in the 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 2021 election that you had to either go to early voting or you had to have an, before you had to have an ex excuse to do absentee voting. Like you had to have like a, a a medical reason to do it, and I think they reinstated that. Although I'm not 100 percent sure because you know I I went and early voted, but. I would be very surprised if 2024 rolls around and these states with with Republican legislatures and governors have not have not put a stop to the 2020 shenanigans. Like if, yeah, if they, they, if they haven't, yeah, if they haven't done if they haven't done that by then, well, you don't really deserve to be a party anymore, and you know you're you're functionally going to be extinct. Christina Unilee murder sparking outrage among New Yorkers. The system is failing everyone. Uh, and so uh, this one was a 35-year-old uh, Asian woman was killed in New York. And I believe it, it was on video, wasn't it? The the video of the crazy homeless guy following her into the was, – was, yeah, like following her into her apartment was – on there that the story was that he broke into her apartment people heard the screaming the cops showed up the guy stabbed her to death while the cops were outside the apartment and then like tried to yell in a female voice that to go away that they need the police and they went in and they found him in the like i think hiding under the bed you know covered in blood after he stabbed this poor young lady to death all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a I'm gonna do a Tennessee two step here because um well you you'll you'll see what I'm doing here. I'm gonna go to a completely different story that that's not really San Francisco board member Allison Collins. Uh, there was a <laughs> San Francisco school board recall election, and it was absurd. So like everyone on the board that went up for the recall was like insanely progressive and they got blown the fuck out. It was like 70, 30. Yeah. For recall. They got blown the fuck out. So people who are now, uh, 
one thing that you see in in election stuff is like winning an election automatically puts you in an elite club that like you're you're kind of like uh uh, uh this incumbents do well when you get elected and you get blown the fuck out uh now that means uh some bullshit was going around and then the basic bullshit in, in local elections is just that local elections um you know all the city employees go and, and not many people vote and i don't know who that 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 person is but either way there was this is a huge thing i don't know if people have seen so there's a lot of people that are basically on the left or progressives just because of like where they live, their profession and things. They're not, they don't really have like a, 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 a humongous deal of difference in their mindset than like uh, someone from Kentucky or something. But like, you know, if you live in San Francisco, uh, being on the right, like what would that even mean? Right. So these <laughs> people, these people, uh, they they did not have much involvement with this kind of politics. There's been a local uh, a guy that sort of took up this thing. He started publishing, showing these things they were they were they were talking about in schools. And the main thing was the uh, I believe and this is something Tinkzorg said was that like look like don't go crazy with the cultural stuff uh, if like uh, comparing it to uh, like school uh, what do they call this where you the the competitive schooling and stuff. Uh, so any, either way, the biggest thing they said that made the difference was that all these, all these super progressive school, uh, school board members, uh, voted to, they took the gifted, uh, whatever you call the gifted, the awesome, the, uh, you know, the, the, the magnet school, they changed it from being like gifted to just a lottery. So you were just like lottery gifted. So like, you're still supposed to treat these kids like they're, they're, they're superstars. Uh, but just instead the. They were super smart. They just won the lottery, which is uh, insane. And uh, this is this is really a story about Asians. Like all all the. <laughs> that's I mean, a nice that no. The district I mean, was predominantly Asian, right? I mean, that's what I understand. The air. So, well, I'll read a tweet here. Some of the strongest support for recalling San Francisco school board member Allison Collins was from heavily Asian areas like Sunset. Chinatown and Richmond, which all had uh, 85% and above uh, uh, Asian uh, things. Yeah, but I, I I don't think that's what this is about. And let me actually, let me, uh, let me pop this up. And this is a, a post by Lee Fang. Like a, a, actually, one of the people who, who does things that we all thought reporting was until, you know, five or ten years ago. Here, here's the quote. Uh, he's quoting Jerry Dunleavy scoop Clinton world is helping take over the embattled black lives matter organization. The law firm of Mark Elias is handling BLM books and longtime bill and Hillary ally minion Moore. It's amazing. That the name is a minion is on BLM's board. And Lee Fang says kind of incredible. BLM is now run in part by DNC's top lawyer, a former Clinton aide who runs a corporate, lo- a corporate lobbying firm. Okay. I remember after the 2016 election, uh, I ventured on to like a political forum that I posted on a long time in the past. And I, I said to the people there who were, there was a lot of Bernard Sanders aficionados there. And I said like, you guys really need to come to terms with the fact that despite running this campaign, like, you know, Sanders killed it in Iowa and New Hampshire, whatever. Like when the, when the primary came to these states like South Carolina, that's never going to vote for Democrats in electoral college, like that headshot in his campaign, like you have to really, you have to come to terms with this. Like there's some, you, you, I don't know what you're going to do, but you got to do something because this is the problem. And like, 
I was immediately immediately like, oh, that's racist. You're just blaming, you're blaming black people. But I mean, obviously that's what happened. It happened again in 2020. And like the bigger point I'm trying to make here, like, like if you think about what this quoted story means, okay. BLM has received billions of dollars. It has the support of, of the entire media. It has the support of, uh, Fortune 500 companies. I think at the Super Bowl, like there were be there's BLM stuff on the field. This is a this is now uh like the the big daddy of all NGOs. Now let's say you were your political party had control direct control of an organization like this that can again schizoid going back to the guy who shot at a a mayor campaign uh, uh, uh sorry and uh person campaigning for mayor and was bailed out two days later with BLM funds. You have this massive organization has uh, almost unlimited funds that bails criminals out of jail. Well, if you're, if, if the people who got in charge of that organization were not the nicest in the world, if they perhaps had aspirations to make it more than just an NGO that functions to, enrich the people who run it, which is what BLM basically is now. Like they're, they're, they just want to, they want mansions and stuff, right? They're not, they're not looking to create some kind of alternate power structure. Well, I don't know. I, I, I know I'm being, you know, I'm that's, you know, that's, that's, that's the story on the, on the town. That's what, uh, that's what people say. That's what, that's what, uh, like dirt baggy less say, Oh, it's just a scam for money. Blah, blah, blah. Yes, but on the screen here, Mark Elias, Minion Moore, Hillary Clinton, those that's not what those people want BLM for. They're not here they're not here to add a, a, to get another pool. They're here to, to create something. You could taking over BLM that already has a hierarchy, already has money, already has the the love of the regime and and pretty much every major corporate in the United States. You could create and I don't want to sound alarmist. You could create a paramilitary organization out of this tomorrow if you wanted to, right? Yeah, yeah. Don't uh, no one should sleep on this these stories. Nobody, because like this could this could become something that they accuse everyone else of overnight. I, I mean, uh, you know, I don't like it, but but I kind of love it. I mean, this is uh, we're getting like we're getting things are getting real, like like. When things get really real in America, like it's not going to be this. This is the kind of thing we complain about with a lot of these uh, or elitist people on the right is that they're not really ready to be um, uh, to be. Uh, they don't want to win, like you, like well, you and well, Malcolm were saying. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, winning will will include like not being uh, a cool. So we'll just. Uh, I mean, uh, let's let's talk. Let's talk about like comfort, like. Remember, this is BLM. So we're talking about they're 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 doing some radical shit, right? So this this isn't the first thing they've done. So so bailing out a political assassin, you know, they've uh, that that's that's like if you step like one thing to a step back, like like oh, this is America, this is black people, this is this and this is that. Well, imagine you're Chinese and you're looking at this and you say, okay, you know, this is this is a this is a high power political organization. They they make big moves, big moves. Uh, I know, like. DSA is always like wanting to do big moves. Like they have, they have done things that are like shadows of big moves. Never really seem like they had like the actual juice. They may have done some pretty big things in elections and stuff. Uh, but like, 
you know, but this, this, these are actual big moves. I know they, they flew a flight out to terrorize a guy. Uh, this is like, this, this is like real big moves. Cause once you start from out violence and stuff like that, that is like, you're getting closer to the wick of what politics is now. And like, who's funding this thing? Uh, IBM, Microsoft, uh, uh Uber, Comcast, PayPal, uh, Cisco. I mean, these are, these, this isn't like, uh, this isn't fucking Ben and Jerry's. Okay. You know, this, this is like, <laughs> this is real. And, and, and when this is, is politics starts getting more and more real, like, uh, well, we always think of it as like, um, could you handle like having the social profile of Mike Lindell? Cause like these things will start getting real. Like you, you're going, like, you're not going to be cool. You're, you're not going to be cool, right? So when these companies hate you, um, like you're going to have a real peasant movement here. As if you're gonna if you're gonna oppose this thing, because this thing is nasty, and this thing is well funded by the top corporations in the country. Trump was a guy who was willing to do that. Yes, this this is why I'm still a Trump number one guy. I've heard all the arguments, and I really like uh, I really like DeSantis and stuff. But uh, the thing that's Trump is the person that's like he. There's no part of him that, that that's like he needs to 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 remain in the good graces of something that's not the plebs. He is down to be, and that that and despite all his faults, I mean, to me, there's I don't. Uh, that, that's, that's not good. enough, but that's a prerequisite. You have to you have to be able to start that. Like another another person is like very different, but you know they went after Carlson and were harassing his family and, and outside of his house, and he didn't apologize he he uh ever even ever since then just kind of said screw you to those to those people like that's that's one of the reasons why like, if there are a lot of people who don't like tucker carlson and it's like oh well he's a you know swans and family or whatever but like if you're willing to do that people are going to listen to you no matter what like that's your sh- you're showing that you're not going to back down yeah, I mean, not only are people harassed, I mean, I don't know, man. I, I don't know anything about being in like a, you know, an old money family or invited to important things. But I, am, I, I have to imagine that despite being a Swanson, many of the social connections that he would otherwise have, you know, as a Swanson are no longer available to him based upon the direction he's chosen to take his life. It's and you can piece this together. To, uh, like I've mentioned it many times before, but he's talked to people about his new setup, where he like he basically hangs out with his family and d- does his television show. And that's it in Maine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you're willing, if that that's why, man. If if you ever wonder why people uh, go on about like you know family relations, and it's like because if you have. If you're lucky and you have a strong enough bond in your family, it doesn't matter if uh, everybody else, if everybody else, you know, in New York City or whatever, hate you. It doesn't matter because you've already got what you need. Yeah, this this law and order thing, it's not going to be easy. This is why I was wondering about, like, are these Asian groups, they're, they're going to get punished. I mean, because, like, I know one thing people might say is, well, you know, these companies, they didn't know they were doing that. They just thought they were giving money to you know, it's like giving money to the the uh, uh, the the black scholarship fund. No, no, these com- like these companies have given tons of money directly to uh, uh, these legal defense funds, uh, uh, the SPLC and shit like that. Like, th- th- they're already at war, and these companies are monsters. And uh, it's 
I, I mean, to me, it's like, uh, uh, I don't know, there's a, a, a Mal quote or whatever. He's like, uh, uh, everything under heaven is in, in chaos. The situation is excellent. It's basically me like, like, uh, yeah, the, they're, they're mobilizing. I mean, so would you have it any other way? No. And, and this, this can't go away because we, we've, if we were looking at our patroners view of politics, like you have, you have too many people in your political coalition that you have to deal with. You're going to have to win or some out. But beyond that, there's one group of people that they cannot really move away from. And, because the entire source of their power, like the legitimate, the legitimation mechanism or whatever you want to call it of progressive politics in the United States is like slavery, civil rights movement. Right. Like that, like they get all, they got pretty much everything done legally through a, like a few laws uh, that were passed in the fifties and sixties regarding like the, uh, was it the, uh, this American descendant of slaves as our, our boy Tariq Nasheed would say, they can't yeah. move away from that. You can't, you can't ever, you can't say, Hey, you got, we got to chill out. We, we, you know, we want the, we like the Asians too. You can't do that. Everything, everything revolves around this one subject. I, so. Well, I agree in sentiment with what you're saying, but they were able successfully to force that community to accept the LBGT side. Um, which was not an easy lift. If you look at sort of the voting patterns with stuff like Proposition 8 in California, and they did kind of force that, and they did successfully kind of ram that together and force it through. Uh, but well, the thing is, that's not they're not competing over some scarce resource. Like I, I think the way to think about this is to think about the cities. It really has to do with the cities. Uh, like. You know, you could, you know, we, we've done this cycle before where, uh, you know, the Giuliani's came in and you radically changed the cities. Like if you did that today, which I think is what is sort of being like, uh, suggested by a lot of these, uh, sort of voting patterns and things like that, like it's going to, it's going to hurt a lot more, a lot more. Like there's much, much less of these cities revolve around like, these kind of union labor and things like that. It's more and more like, like imagine, imagine a city that's, that's like, uh, it's not all, but it's like now it's tilted like much, much more to like, think about New York. Like, uh, think about just how few men there are. Like, uh, uh, there's like a huge dramatic, like in terms of like, uh, educated people, like there's way less men. Like why, you know why that is, you know, like, uh, like, and this is one of the cases where San Francisco will hurt less. Like you could run San Francisco without section eight housing, you know, and like, it wouldn't dramatically change. Like it, it w things wouldn't, it wouldn't radically reshape everything. Uh, a lot of these other cities, I mean, what are these cities doing anymore? You know, cause we, the, the point is we've gotten rid of all the, the, the manufacturing and shit. They, so like you just have, they, the cities look like their political coalition. That's right. So you just there. have, you have these huge jails of section eight housing, and then you have all these libs doing this, this, uh, uh, PMC work. And like, this is something that's like, uh, I mean, this, oh, I, I, this is, this is a Jenga tower, dude. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't see how, yeah, you can't go any farther with this conversation without, uh, without getting, getting banned from Twitch. All right. Thanks everybody for coming out. 
Have a good night, everybody. Good night. Making their way the only way they know how. That's just a little bit more than the whole of life.